when it comes to having the things in our life that we want and having the experiences that we really desire, so many of us get busy chasing content, you know, ideas and plans and how do I do the thing? But chasing content without improving your capacity, you know, your, your resilience, your, your confidence, your creativity, those are all the inner parts of you, your own capacity. So if you just chase content and you try and get a bunch of ideas to do things better without improving your capacity, and that's like having the, the access to the most incredible internet data plan, except you're operating on old school dial-up. It's going to be frustrating at best. Need nothing. Appreciate everything. Have it all. Welcome to the podcast that helps you architect your most self-authorized, productive, and fulfilled life. Join action philosopher Jesse Elder on a journey to greater joy, freedom, and wealth of every kind as he shares insights gained from the leading edge of liberated living. The hardest part is accepting just how easy success can be. And now, Jesse. Hey, it's Jesse, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. And of course, we're going to talk about you and talk about your life and how to make things even better than they already are. Uh, I think you and I probably share this in common that, that uh, there's no finish line that you're trying to get to. All there really is, is right now. And so then one of the questions becomes, how do we make right now as good as possible? And that's the intent of this podcast and all these episodes. And so much appreciation for all of you that have left ratings and reviews. It's so inspiring to see your experience of this. You know, I mean, we're having this dialogue and even if I can't see you or we can't talk back and forth to each other, uh, I really feel this uh, sort of community and I feel a sense of connection. So reading those reviews is just so gratifying and uh, really, really appreciate those of you that have taken the time to do, th to do that, uh, as well as you for being here on this episode. And as these episodes continue, uh, I know that there's a lot of folks that are using what they've learned here or what they're being reminded of or what they're being inspired by to using these to actually make some shifts in their life, you know, change your habits or, you know, improve something in your personal life or maybe in your professional life. And so what we've done is we've set up an email and I would love to hear what your experience has been of applying some of this material. So if you feel inspired to do, to, uh, do that, just please send an email to connect at jesseelder.com and you know, let us know. Let us know how you've been applying some of these philosophies in your own life. And uh, I really look forward to connecting with you in that way. So connect at jesseelder.com. And one other thing that I'm very interested in hearing are your questions. You know, because this is sort of a one-way format and we can't actually talk back and forth to each other, I would love to hear anything that you've got uh, in your own mind, anything that's on your heart that you'd like to have addressed in the podcast. So you can send an email to the same address, connect at jesseelder.com and send in your questions. And every week we'll go through the questions here and uh, I'll pick a few and answer them on the air, so to speak. Okay, cool. So 
Let's talk about you specifically, uh, not just who you are at the level of, you know, your identity and your beliefs and all of that, but I'm talking about what you are, your physical body, your brain, which is a part of your body. So those people that try and separate, you know, the mind from the body, there is no separation. That's just an idea that humans came up with. There's actually just one collection of energy and matter, and that is your body, mind, your mind, body. It's one collection. So here's one of the problems. One of the problems that happens is we're so classically educated, many of us, to seek information so that we can take better actions, so that we can get better results, so that we can then be happier or more secure or more confident or you know whatever we want to feel. You can see several flaws in this. First is that feeling is always under your control. So it actually makes more sense to take responsibility for your own emotions and your own feelings and your own thoughts, regardless of what's happening in the environment. But because of this addiction to information gathering, you might not even feel it as an addiction. You might actually feel it as the smartest possible thing to do because you were taught and told by maybe your parents or teachers or, uh, you know, maybe you did have great coaches and mentors who gave you advice. But what this creates is a dependency on new information in order to have any sort of uh, proceeding in order for you to move forward and take more action. You feel like you've got to get more information first. And this leads quite predictably to a whole bunch of wheels spinning. You're just sitting there gathering more information, not really doing anything with it. And so in today's podcast, I'm going to share with you some very powerful ways to cut through that fog and actually embody more of your own natural brilliance, your own natural confidence, your own perfect ability to learn and and calibrate rapidly to up level your own powers of creativity. And it may sound like a bunch of motivation, but here's the deal. You've already experienced this. In fact, there's many things that you've already done in your life that at one point you didn't know how to do. And then you went through some experiences and you embodied this information. And here's why I feel this is such a, an essential topic. You know, it, it's not, it's not difficult to see that our world is changing incredibly fast. And in fact, the rate of change itself is increasing at an exponential level. So not only are more things changing, but everything's changing faster. And by everything, yes, everything is changing. Our environment is changing. Our pol uh, politics are changing. Our relationship uh, energies are changing. You know, it's, it's even people are changing how they label themselves and identify themselves down to even the level of biology. And there is, from my perspective, no right or wrong way to do any of this. There's only what's right for you right now. But then when you add on technological change and you add on automation and robotics and artificial intelligence, and you've got all of these massive variables that are coming in, look, the world that we're going to live in five years from now is not going to look very much like the one that we're living in today. There will certainly be elements that will be in common, but so much is changing. And this is why this is uh, sort of a problem because most of us are carrying a 20th century brain into this new era. 
And the problem with this is that we're taught to seek information, to fill up our brains, fill up our minds with some sort of usable knowledge so that then we're more valuable. But from my perspective, this creates a huge problem because there is no human brain that is going to be able to calculate and process logic as quickly as a machine will. It's just not possible. There are already computers, as we're doing this recording, there are already computers on the planet that are as powerful or more powerful in a processing level than a human brain. So if we're trying to compete with logic and mathematics and intellect uh, at, at that level, we're not going to be able to do it. And I'm not suggesting this is a negative scenario. I'm just saying you've got to get out of the old way of only using logic and seeking information so that you then proceed and begin to operate on more of a, uh, what I would say is a whole human level. Not only your logic and your intellect, the information that you know, but your physical body, your embodiment of things that you found valuable. And that means having lots of experiences. So in this podcast, I'm going to share with you a system of sorts that I found incredibly useful at not only maintaining and expanding creativity, but becoming uh, an inventor of categories. You know, you're, you're not a competitor unless you choose to be. And, and that's cool. I've been a competitor many times in my life and it's a fun chapter. It's a neat way to live life. But competition is also inherently based on a scarcity mindset. It's based on a zero sum game. And you do not have to live as a competitor trying to outdo other people. You can live as a creator. In order to live as a creator, you have to get out of this information addiction. So here's the, the, the foundation for this. And then we're going to get right into some tactics. And I think by the end of this recording, you're going to have some very uh, compelling tools. And I'd love to hear what you do with them. I imagine you'll, you'll probably have some fun with these. Okay, so I believe that human understanding is loosely grouped into three categories. And real simply, these are information, knowledge, and wisdom. Now, what's the difference between those? Well, if you think about information as being the pieces of understanding, like a color is a piece of understanding, the concept of a color, uh, numbers and shapes, and there are so many binary pieces of information, yeses and nos and ones and zeros. And our human understanding, what we do is we take all of this information and what we do as human beings is we organize that information. We take all these abstract facts and figures, we take all these random pieces of information and we organize them into something that's useful. So for example, you can have a bunch of ingredients in the kitchen, none of which by themselves may be particularly uh, delicious <laughs> or, uh, or even that good for you. But what you can do is you can take all those ingredients, you can put the right ones together in the right way and you have a recipe. Now, all of that information, all of those ingredients have become a recipe. So if you're going to make a recipe, for example, chocolate cake, <laughs> then you can take the pieces and you can eat the pieces separately. And that would be entertaining, probably. Or you can just get yourself a recipe and you can organize all those ingredients into knowledge. And that is when we start to see utility. That's when we start to see progress and growth and all of this stuff. OK, but here is the next hurdle. Not only do we have to have information that's been organized into knowledge, so it's useful, 
But knowledge is so easily copied and pasted and propagated and and shared. And, and we see this happening so much in the world where people have lots of knowledge, you know, they have lots of recipes. I mean, all it takes is, you know, eight seconds on social media and you're bombarded with the knowledge of the great secret of the how to get the thing you really want. And, you know, all this, you know, really slick copywriting designed to stimulate your brain at, at uh, survival levels. So next thing you know, you're winding up with some $87 doohickey that you think you can't live without. It arrives in the mail, you open it up, you're thrilled for a moment, then immediately disappointed, and then it goes in the garage, and then maybe if you're lucky, it ends up going to a garage sale. Now, I know this has never happened to you, but I'm sure there's people you know of that this has happened to. Look, chasing knowledge and and being bombarded with knowledge is an inherently dehumanizing experience. Because you are not simply a collection of thoughts and ideas. You are a full human being, fully being. That means you have a body in which to be. You have this physical apparatus called a body that you get to move through your life with. So how does it make any sense to be chasing knowledge, trying to get the plans, the strategies, the, the tactics, the, the systems, when really you are the system? This is the promise of this whole philosophy is that once you can take knowledge and apply it in the real world, you possess a most unique and rare quality. In fact, I believe this is a uniquely human quality. Once you take knowledge, the recipe, and you apply it, you now have experience And when knowledge is applied experientially, it produces wisdom. And I'd like to let you let that sink in for just a moment. You possess an enormous amount of wisdom because of the experiences that you've had that are unique to you. You took everything that you learned Everything you learned how to do, you probably learned what not to do by watching some people. And they were uh, great uh, antithetical role models. They taught you exactly how you don't want to live. And so in that sense, they actually were very valuable. But you've learned a lot and then you've lived. I mean, you've lived a lot of life leading up to this particular moment. And I would suggest that that's what makes you unique is the wisdom that you possess. And so if we want to not only escape the, the gravity of competition and the pull to try and be better than everybody, and certainly if we want to stay relevant as a species and not uh, try and compete with artificial intelligence and computers, because you can't on an intellectual level. But what you have that is uniquely human is the ability to generate wisdom. And this is the quality. This is the asset. This is the prize that you get to keep cultivating in your own life to not only stay increasingly relevant and valuable to other people, 
but you live a fuller life. You live a life that is never boring. You live a life that is always unfolding and becomes actually increasingly predictable because as your wisdom increases, as your intelligences increase intellectually, emotionally, physically, creatively, these are all these intelligences that you have, you live in an increasingly fascinating life. And the more fascination you experience, the more you can experience. And then pretty soon you just are sort of restored to this childlike state where everything is just has this sort of glow to it. And you immediately know what you're interested in, what you're not interested in. And this is really a state of self-authorization. So uh, I'm, I guess I am trying to sell you a little bit on this concept that you do have this innate wisdom inside of you, but it doesn't come from books. It doesn't come from courses. It doesn't even come from podcasts like this one. It comes from experientially applying the knowledge that you've absorbed so that you can gain experience and you can uh, ultimately develop wisdom. So with all of this being said, I hope you've I, I've uh, reinforced a little bit for you the value that you have that you might not be thinking about, which is your own unique wisdom. But I've identified that there are actually four Areas that we can focus on in our lives that help us to not only tap into the wisdom that we have, but grow our wisdom and, and as they say in the, in the business world, scale our wisdom. You can actually expand your wisdom if you are following uh, your own natural flow of life. And so what I mean by that is that I found there are four specific areas that we can focus on. Uh, I've been living this way for some time. It continues to deliver. And I've shared this with friends and clients and the results are pretty awesome. So with that being said, I'm going to share it with you here. The first part of this system, if you will, that helps you to develop your own wisdom, to become more engaged with life, to become more fulfilled and more successful. First step in the journey is you, your capacity. What the heck does that even mean? Well, again, you're not a, a, an empty container that needs to be filled up with a bunch of facts and figures and recipes and systems. You are not a container. Check this out. You are a conduit. That means you can both receive information, let's call it intuition, imagination, and then you can express that information through your words, through your movement, through your, your dialogue, whatever you're going to create in your life. So you're not a container that's some fixed quantity that needs to be filled up. You're a conduit. And so if you think in terms of uh, electricity and you think about a wire, and then you think about you know fiber that, that transmits data so much faster you have the ability to increase your own capacity. And the way to do this is through something called radical, authentic self-care. What the heck does that even mean? And you might hear the word self-care and you're like, what, a spa day? Uh, that could be, I guess. Or uh, you might be thinking, so I should eat keto or, or wait, no, vegan. No, wait, uh, you know what? I'm just going to be an opportunivore. Okay, good. Whatever works for you. But it's far beyond your diet and your exercise and, and whether or not you take a nap every day. It is a prioritization of your own mental, emotional, physical uh, well-being. It's okay. Cut to the chase. It's putting yourself first. Putting yourself first. 
And I, I can hear some of the, the, the cries of resistance right now. Yes, but I have fill in the blank other people you've decided to make more important than you. Look, I get it. If you're a parent, you feel so connected and so committed to the well-being of your children. This is natural. This is healthy. And yet, what children actually benefit from is seeing examples of happy, healthy adults, especially when that adult is their own parent or their own caregiver. So I will continue to advocate the value of this radical, authentic self-care precisely because it's the most valuable thing you can do for someone else. So there's that. So radical, meaning outside the norm. I mean, look, I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast if you were interested in super uh, mainstream, sort of mass-produced uh, entertainment and, and all that kind of stuff. I think you're probably on your own leading edge. That means that if you're living this life where you're seeking and, and creating self-authorization, you're being the you that you were born to be, then you know, simply doing what everybody else is doing when it comes to pampering themselves or, you know, living a life of just being comfortable. I don't know that that's radical. I'm not, not compared to what you're capable of. So radical self-care means doing things that are on your own leading edge. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but having experiences continuously to nourish you. This means not resting and being complacent. It means staying curious. It means staying inquisitive. It means instead of, instead of saying, well, this is what I do every, you know, third month, I go and get a massage. Okay, that's awesome. That's certainly better than nothing. But how much else is there to do? I mean, we could just go through a whole list here, but things that I've benefited from and continue to enjoy are, yes, body work and deep tissue massage and acupuncture and acupressure and uh, chiropractic and meditation and yoga and jujitsu and taking naps from time to time. Okay, consistently hydration and, and hydrating properly, uh, taking walks in the morning, taking walks at night. I mean, these are all examples in my own experience of self-care. But the radical part is so important because without that radical component, meaning outside the average, outside the norm, without that radical component, you can very quickly, in fact, you will very quickly fall into a rut. And the thing that used to be nourishing eventually becomes a sedation. You normalize it. It just becomes something you, you don't even really pay attention to anymore. And so your brain then begins to calcify. Your neural pathways begin to slow down because you've settled into a routine. Now, that may be a healthy routine and it may be nourishing and, and nurturing for you. And that's awesome. But this concept of radical self-care ensures that you're always staying fresh. You're always looking for new things to introduce into your own self-care uh, regimen, okay? Now, there's a second component here, and this is authentic. So what does authentic self-care mean? Well, as I've shared in some other programs, uh, I believe that authenticity is when you, you, are being the you, that you feel you should be, then I think you're living in a, at a level of authenticity. And then even that definition makes so many 
of us uncomfortable because it has the word you in it four times. Authenticity, when you are being the you that you feel you should be. And that's a lot of responsibility for most people. So they'd rather not take all that responsibility and instead they can delegate their authenticity to some tastemaker or so-called influencer. Look, you're the influencer. And so if somebody else coming to you and saying, oh my God, I just found the best thing. You've got to do it. And then they fill in the blank with what they've found works for them. You know, that might be a dietary change. It might be an exercise thing. It might be, who knows? And they might have something they're really passionate about. And that's awesome. But you're the one that gets to decide. And in fact, you're the one that must decide, does it resonate with you? And so I'll give you an example of this. Uh, Some years ago, I began doing a float tank. Uh, I don't know if therapy is the right word, but sessions. And if you've never done this, it's it's uh, basically they take uh, a, like a little tank and they fill it with water, about 10 inches, 12 inches of water. And there's hundreds of pounds of Epsom salt that's dissolved in this water. So it becomes incredibly buoyant. The water is heated to your body temperature. And then you get in this tank, you're laying down, you're floating, you lose any sense of gravity. And then low, slowly the lights go down and pretty soon you're in total darkness you can't tell if your eyes are open or closed. You're floating weightlessly. And man, it is a, it's a, a very interesting experience. Personally, I love it. And the first time I experienced it, it was a little strange to have that much. It was like my thoughts got really loud. And at first I was like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. But then I just chilled out, relaxed. And, and uh, then I, I really enjoyed the experience. And I, it's something I continue to enjoy. But here's what happened. I got so... Um, excited about this experience. And I started telling everybody, it was like, you have to try it. You got to try it. And I was not very cool about it. And rather than just letting people have their own experience, I was probably a little evangelical. So one of the people that I talked to was my brother. And I said, man, it's amazing. You got to try it out. And he's a totally open-minded guy, very, uh, in his own right, very successful as a family man. And of course I'm biased. I mean, I'm completely crazy about my nephews and my niece, but he's very successful. He, he's accomplished a lot and he's open-minded. So he goes to do the float thing. And I talked to him, I think later that day. And I, of course I was all excited. And looking back, honestly, what I probably really wanted to hear was that, wow, Jesse, you're so smart. You're so right. Wow. Look at you. Like, honestly, a lot of my ego is running the show and it was, you know, I just wanted that, that, uh, recognition (laughs) quite frankly. And so, uh, anyway, I, I talked to him. I said, Hey, how was the float? And he was kind of silent for a moment. And then he said, uh, yeah, not really, uh, not really my thing. I was like, Oh, okay. He said, yeah, I was in it for about 20 minutes and, uh, got out. Just, just wasn't my, wasn't my cup of tea. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And all of a sudden it hit me just because I'm all fired up about something and I had a unique experience and it was beneficial. It doesn't mean that it's for everybody. And then I started thinking about all the things in my life that I had tried, that other people were championing and saying, oh, this is great. And I did it. I was like, yeah, not really for me. And I think that this is actually a a beautiful opportunity to practice authenticity. Look, if something's not right for you, 
and you really feel it, like you feel it in your gut, you feel in your heart that, hey, this is not right for me, then who else has the responsibility of saying no? Nobody, only you do. So I respected my brother so much for doing what felt right for him. And it was just a great reminder for me that we are the only ones that get to decide what is authentic for us. Now, if we bring this authenticity back to the idea of self-care, now we're looking at all sorts of very cool possibilities. Radical, authentic self-care means to do things that are outside of your own norm, outside of your own usual patterns, and also something that resonates with you uniquely. And this is the really, to me, this is the, the most fun part of the whole thing because you never run out of stuff to do. There's always things that you can go and experience. And I, I understand that you may be uh, hearing this and thinking, you know, Jesse, I would love to do this. I mean, I would love to take better care of myself, but, you know, I don't really have the time. You know, I'm, I'm working all the time. I've got, you know, family responsibilities or I've got, you know, all these other duties that I've signed up for. And I just, I just don't have the time. And I get it. I, man, I, I've lived that way for, for a long time myself. I know what it's like to make all of these other things more important than you. And so I'm not judging. I, I know intimately what that feels like. Uh, in my own case, and I'm not saying this is the case for you, but in my experience, I started to realize how much I was actually screwing over the people that I claimed to be serving because I was delivering a lesser version of me. And so I'd show up to teach my karate classes, my martial arts classes, and I'd be, you know, freshly off of a, you know, venti quad shot latte from Starbucks because I needed the energy to get through the, the day. And all of a sudden I just realized, man, I'm, I'm such a hypocrite here. I'm talking about, you know, energy and positivity and all of this. In the meantime, I'm addicted to this caffeine. Now, I, I love a good cup of coffee as much as any other coffee drinker, I guess. <laughs> But I realized how much I was really like screwing over the people that I claimed to be serving because I was showing up as a lesser version of me. So when I began to reclaim even just an hour a week of me time, I found that all this clarity, all this energy came in. And so then when I would show up to my classes, I came back as a stronger, more clear, more relaxed, more powerful, more confident version of me. And then my students benefited. And then, then I really started to get into it. I thought, well, shoot, if I'm doing an hour a week, every Friday morning, I'm taking an hour for me. What if I did two hours a week? Radical, I know, two hours a week. Out of 168 hours of every week, two of them are going to be dedicated to you. Cool. <laughs> but hey, you are where you are. So I'm just here to remind you what you already know, that you're the one that gets to decide what you value. And if you really care about other people in your life, doesn't it make sense? that you actually put yourself first. So you show up for them as a fuller version of you. So you might be hearing this also and saying, okay, float tanks, uh, acupressure, chiropractic, uh, jujitsu, uh, oh, vitamin IV therapy. I forgot about that one. That's a, that's one of the latest uh, experiments. You might be hearing all of this. You might even be like me and start to Google a few things because you want to know more about this. And then you start thinking, well, shoot the float tank. That's not cheap. And then there's all these, these other things and that's not cheap. We haven't even talked about supplements yet. And next thing you know, you're doing the math in your head and thinking, I can't afford that. 
look, I'm, I'm certainly not here to sell you anything. I don't have any, there are no products for sale on this podcast, but the idea is to sell you actually on a concept that wherever you are, you are. And if you want to increase your experience of life, including financially, including socially, if you want to increase in all these areas, the first place you have to invest back into is yourself. And when I started thinking this way, I didn't have the money to spend on myself. I could barely afford my car payment, let alone go and get a massage and chiropractic and all these other things. But I did start taking more time for myself. I started meditating. I started journaling. I started doing the things that made me feel more like me. And in those days, that was my authentic, radical self-care. So it's not about being at a certain level. It's about prioritizing. And I promise you what you'll find if you continue to prioritize yourself and you continue to put yourself first. And today we're just talking about the first out of four quadrants for wisdom creation, how to become wiser, more valuable, more powerful, more creative. This is under your control. You can scale this. You can expand this at will. And I promise you, as you do this, you'll find more and more resources coming into your life. And then with those resources, you can continue to make other choices, but the choice comes first. Okay. So if you don't have time, I get it. And I support your right to believe that uh, story. If you think you don't have the money to spend on yourself, then I support your right to look at old reality, which is I don't have the money. And, and if that's what you want to do, then cool. I also know that you can begin to open your mind to ask how, how can I do this? How can I find a way to get some resources, get the time, get some money so I can invest back in myself? All right, that's it. I'm going to leave that there. So here's, here's the question then. This idea of radical, authentic self-care means setting aside some time. It means setting aside some uh, resource, perhaps financially, or maybe connecting and, and talking with other people. And it means putting yourself first and doing things that fill up your own tanks to nourish yourself nutritionally, to move your body in a way that feels right for you. You know, here comes somebody who does CrossFit and they go, CrossFit's the best thing ever. And it is for them. And here comes someone else who does yoga and says, no, yoga is the best thing ever. And they're right. It totally is for them. And here comes somebody else who's into triathlons and they say, Iron Man is where it's at. And it totally is for them. Ultimately, you're the only one that knows what's right for you. So my suggestion is to go and test. And at least once a week, go and do some new activity. Go and engage in some new thing that feels good for you, that feels good for your body, that nourishes your soul, that reconnects you to your heart. And maybe it's that you, if, if you uh, have a particular faith background that resonates with you, maybe you go back to church. Maybe you go back to the synagogue. Maybe you start attending mosque again. Because whatever your way of connecting with something that's bigger than you, wherever that is, and maybe just going for a walk, do it more. You don't need permission. But this is just a reminder that the more you do this, the more you practice your own radical, authentic self-care, the more of you you're going to feel. 
And you can trust that. You can trust yourself. You can trust the thoughts and feelings that are coming up from you. And if you're like I was years ago, you got really good at ignoring those. You got really good at suppressing your thoughts and your feelings and just staying busy all the time. And when you stopped moving, those voices inside started getting really loud. And that's not always pleasant. So I know that feeling, but I also know that you can trust yourself to be present with yourself. So my challenge for you, if you will, is to make a list of the things that you could do that you're aware of that would be good for you, that would feel good for you. And so maybe that means taking uh, an hour a, a week and just reading. You know, if you if you used to love reading fiction and you stopped because it's not productive, well, freaking start again. Give your brain that sensory input and improve your imagination, or your vocabulary by soaking in the knowledge and someone else's wisdom, somebody else who has written the book and done the work and all of that. You can sort of absorb some of their energy because what will happen is your own capacity will be expanded and you will enter your life, your actual life, the three-dimensional physical life that you happen to be living in right now, and you'll show up as more of you. Maybe it's taking a movie day. You know, I have a very, uh, somebody I respect a lot. His name is Giovanni Marsico, and he's uh, an amazing entrepreneur. Years ago, we connected uh, about an event that he was starting to do. And in the last few years, he has built a, an incredible community. Uh, you can look him up online. It's the Archangel community. And Giovanni Marsico, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what he's created. And one of the things that Giovanni said, he, he uh, did a, a private day with me a few years ago. So he flew to Austin and we did a one-on-one -on -one day. And one of the things he shared is that every Friday he attends a movie and he attends a matinee. So he goes during the day on a Friday and he just goes to watch a movie and he's been doing this for years. And if, if you're listening to this, if you know who Giovanni is or if, or if you ever get a chance to meet him, you'll see the guy is so present and he's so just genuine. You can just feel this guy's heart. He's such a good dude. And I believe that that is very much tied to his own prioritization, his own level of radical, authentic self-care. Now, I think we've been through enough today that, you know, I'm not saying go see a movie every Friday. It's not about that. It's about here's this man who is incredibly powerful, creative, an incredibly loving guy. And he's successful in the world because he prioritizes himself. So uh, Giovanni, if you end up happening to hear this <laughs> big love to you, man. So back to you listening to this and thinking about your own radical, authentic self-care. Make a list of the things that you can do, the activities that feel compelling for you, the things that, you know, you think would be neat, maybe something you've wanted to do for a long time and never quite had the reason. Well, here's your reason. You are the reason. Go freaking do it. Put it on the calendar and commit and make something happen for yourself. Make a list of the things that would be neat. Make a list of the things that feel fun. Make a list of the things that you think would make you feel better and make you feel better about yourself. As we begin to kind of wrap this up here and give you this challenge, if you will, there is a uh, little bit of a, a distinction here. We are in a, a culture right now that is really designed around stimulating people's uh, desires people's desires for more pleasure to just feel better, just feel better, just feel better. 
And so, you know, we have one, one of the most, uh, what actually is a, a dangerous drug to the human body that is completely illegal. It's completely available everywhere. It is glorified. It is romanticized. And that's alcohol. Now, before I go any farther, I'm not going to say don't drink. Uh, one time I didn't drink for 10 years. And then after 10 years, I was like, how come I don't drink? And then I had a drink and it was quite nice. So I'm not, I'm not for or against, but I'm pointing out that we live in a culture right now that is completely designed to sell you a whole bunch of ways to feel better. So entertainment and food and all of these pleasure experiences. And that's awesome. But here's the twist. And here's what I will definitely encourage you to think through. You know, hedonism, this practice of just seeking pleasure above all else. Uh, it gets a bad rap, and I think for good reason, because a lot of pleasure actually can be self-destructive. It can deplete your energy. It can uh, create all sorts of imbalances in your own life. So the, the pursuit of pleasure for pleasure's sake, uh, that, that can be a, a, a little bit of a dead end as far as growth is concerned. And of course, you know, you might bounce back and go, I'm never doing that again. But I think that there is another way that we can look at this, and that is what I would call holistic hedonism where we're not only focused on feeling good, but also doing things that are good for us, doing things that make us feel good about ourselves. And so finding activities and finding pursuits and finding things that you can actually do that not only feel good, but things that make you feel good about yourself. And hey, let's face it, if, if your idea of a relaxing time is to go for a walk at three o'clock in the morning and smoke a cigarette and blast heavy metal through your AirPods. Awesome. I, I bow to you because you found something that makes you feel more like you, hence the authentic part. So I really don't think there's a right or wrong way that you can find to feel better about yourself and do things to take care of yourself. That is completely up to you. I do believe that we all have a sense of the things that are nourishing for us and the things that are nurturing, the things that not only feel good, but make us feel good about ourselves. And so I would encourage you as you're making your list of radical, authentic self-care activities and experiences and radical, authentic self-care practices, I encourage you to find things that not only feel good, but things that are good for you. Okay, so here's the payoff from doing this. You're going to leave that massage session, that float session, that hour of reading, that, that walk in the morning. You're going to finish that activity and you are going to be feeling better. You're going to be feeling like more of you. And that's the you that will carry into the rest of your day. And everybody whose life you connect with for the rest of the day is going to be getting the benefit of your conscious upgrade. Okay. So, Radical authentic self-care, it's a thing, and it's the first part of this four-part process that deepens and expands your personal wisdom. And as we discussed at the very beginning of this podcast, I believe that wisdom is the only uniquely human quality that cannot be competed with. It cannot be uh, out, uh, outdone by a computer or, or artificial intelligence. This is what makes us uniquely human. The embodied experience of knowledge. That's wisdom. You have an innate wisdom inside of you and you are nowhere near done. There's a lot more to develop and a lot more to enjoy. Okay. So you got your uh, little challenge from today's podcast. 
Thank you so much for tuning in and for making this a part of your uh, part of your day. I would love to hear from you what this episode or any of these episodes have sort of unlocked for you. You know, how have you used this in your own life? And I'd love to read your uh, email. So send me an email to connect at jesseelder.com. Uh, also, if you have any questions, any questions that come up uh, around anything that we've touched on or anything that you're curious to dialogue through in the uh, podcast, send that to the email as well. Connect at jesseelder.com. And uh, one more time, thank you so much for everybody who's left a rating or a review. Uh, it really touches my heart and I have so much appreciation for the, um, just for the connection that we get to have here. Uh, and without you listening to this, I'm just some dude in a room talking and that's not very exciting. So thanks for being a part of this. <laughs> have an amazing day and uh, I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.